It's time for the big conversations, telling stories of movers and shakers, of industry giants and daring professionals. It's time for the conversations that change your perspective on life, the kind of conversations that shape entrepreneurs and move careers forward. If you don't know where these conversations are found, we are sending you a GPS. But if you're listening to this voice right now, you are here. Welcome to the Growth Podcast. This is the GPS. Welcome to number 48. This is the Growth Podcast. We have another exciting conversation um, on this particular edition of the podcast. Um, if you're watching and you're here for the first time, welcome to the podcast. I hope you subscribe. Um, if you've been watching and you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast. That is one way um, of supporting this initiative. Uh, today, we're talking to um, a gentleman who's built a career spanning over close to well, over two decades, I should say. Um, he he has one of those careers that you spend in one organization for a very long time and then finally made the move to pivot. So I am talking about Mr. Webster Twambo. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Okay. So currently he's serving <coughs> as the chief executive officer for Clapton Reinsurance, um, which is basically a reinsurance company. Um I'll give you a chance to explain that and how it differs from insurance and then we'll go into our conversation. But before we do that, um, I've got some icebreaker questions for you. So I've got these cards. I want you to pick three of these cards and, uh, okay, let me do this. Uh, I don't play cards, so this is hard for me. Uh, okay, that should, okay, cool. So pick any three. Uh, okay, that's one. Uh, that's two. One more. All right. So there were questions, ask the question and then answer it. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> Which one do I start with? The easier one. <laughs> what choice had the greatest impact on your life? What choice had the greatest impact on my life? Just one, eh? Yeah. Uh, the, okay, the biggest choice was giving my life to the Lord. Okay. Had the biggest impact. And when was that? That was 1998. Oh, you've been around, didn't In you? high school. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think that was the biggest. Okay. Next question. Choice. Yeah. What's your definition of success? Well, my definition of success is beyond achieving your goals is achieving your purpose, living a fulfilled life. Okay. Yeah. And the final one? What controversial opinions did you enjoy sharing with others? <clears throat> this one, I would say, uh, being involved in a long distance, long distance relationship sounded controversial. It was controversial at the time because people were saying it can't work. But for me, it worked. So I was in a long distance relationship with my wife when we started dating uh, 20, 
seven. By then she was in the US. She had already left Zambia. So there were these voices around saying no long distance relationships don't work. I said, I'm giving it a go because I believe this is the, the one. We met twice when we were, when we were dating. We dated for three years. The third time she came, it was on the big day. You did it for three years. You only met twice. Yes. In the, and the third time you're meeting, you're getting married. Yes. That's a special one. Eh? Yeah, I understand why it's controversial. <laughs> yeah, that's a very interesting one. <laughs> okay. So, so um, earlier I was talking about the fact that you are in, you know, a reinsurance. Um, you, you worked at professional insurance for a long time and then you went into reinsurance. Um, maybe for the sake of um, people who may not know, just, just tell me the difference between insurance <coughs> and reinsurance. So <clears throat> within the value chain, You've got the end consumer, the, the person who buys insurance. Okay. So insurance um, is about, you know, this end consumer transferring the risk to a third party called an insurance company. So it essentially insurance about transferring risk. Okay. From one, from one party to the other. So it's a mechanism. So when you have a motor vehicle, you transfer to an insurance company and the insurance company also transfers this risk. Uh, based on their financial muscle, they will retain some risk and then retain the, the difference to another party called a reinsurer. So if you like in simple terms, reinsurance is about insurance of insurers and it's uh, whereas insurance is more localized insurance reinsurance is more international in nature so you can the, the license that you have here in zambia from the pensions and insurance authority um, gives you the mandate to write business from across the world oh, okay so that's that's reinsurance so it's b2b so you don't get to interact with the end, the final consumer, so to speak. Right. I hope. Yeah, I'm, I believe <laughs> I have confidence that your question is, is enough. Um, so like I just yeah. say, you, you, you began your career um, at professional insurance, um, but I want us to build from university um, because for most people, I think now we're having um, a situation where it's very competitive just to get a first job. Um, how is it for you? Um, off high school, university, into a first job? Yeah. So first of all, <clears throat> my plan was to go and study abroad. I must mention that, you know, the stage was not set for me. I didn't find a stage set for me. It's like I was starting life from the negative, such that I needed to work very hard to come to zero. Yeah. So in pursuing um, my vision, my goals to, you know, ensure that I make a difference in my family, then I wanted, I was aiming for the very top, top uh, options. So I wanted to go to the US to go and study. But then along the way, uh, reality dawned on me. I didn't have the financial muscle that I needed. Uh, 
I didn't have the right, maybe the opportunities I had uh, couldn't enable me to achieve that dream at the time. So what I did um, soon after high school, things were very tough for me. So I was in, in dollar, I found myself in dollar. That was towards the end of 2002. <clears throat> and then as I was trying to, you know, settle down, uh, find my feet, then I firstly stepped into Butter, Zambia Butter Shoe Company. Uh, because first of all, you know, whatever you're doing, uh, so we lunch, you, you can't do on an empty stomach. So certain things that we do in life is to ensure that our basic needs are met first while keeping our eyes on the big picture. We have our needs met. So to put food on my table, I joined Zambia Butter Shoe Company. I was there for <clears throat> eight months. I became skillful such that when I just look at your foot, I can tell the size of your shoe to date. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I can even try it on you, but well, what, 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 what size do you think I? Am? <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, and this should be a ten or eleven. No, I'm a size nine. <laughs> size nine. Yeah, size nine. Oh, size okay. of shoes that look very comfortable. Ah, okay. Yeah, just, ten. Yeah. Okay. For the butter shoes, uh, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> not far off. Yeah. Anyway, so then uh, things started getting. Uh, I think after leaving Butter for eight months, then things became very tough for me. And then I started um, hustling. I was buying clothes from Lusaka, take to the Copper Belt, sell, buy beans, rice from uh, Kasama, uh, go and resell on the Indol and so on and so forth. And then um, one thing I must mention, I was very active in church. I used to go to a church called New Life uh, Ministries. We used to meet at Broadway uh, under Bishop Nelly Chikwanda. <clears throat> so I used to be very active in church. I used to be active in the praise team, also active in the youth ministry. So I made myself visible. And one day there was this woman uh, who reached out to me. Oh, Sunny, I had I overheard the the manager in in my company that was professional insurance. You know, they're looking for a cashier. So I thought about you. Can you give it a try? That's how I jumped on that opportunity. And I was told there was maybe seven of us that were interviewed. I was interviewed five days later, but I became the best candidate. And that's how I got the job in 2004. That's where my career started uh, as a cashier uh, and underwriting assistant. And then I only had grade 12 certificate. So what about the dream of going to the U.S. to, to study? So I think between dreams or theory and reality, I think... I chose to be pragmatic about it. And when I stepped in professional insurance, I had to be intentional about ensuring that I still achieve the dreams that I had. And I was very fortunate that um, I got this boss who liked me. So the first, just the first few weeks of being there he called me to my office, to his office then, and told me, Webster, 
would like to mentor you in your career. I said, wow, I melted. True to his word, I'll talk a little bit more about him as the conversation goes on. He lived to his word. And for me, that was one of the people that played a critical role in my career. Then I remember the first appraisal I did with him. Uh, I was a top performer, right? But my weakness was I didn't have qualifications. Only had grade 12. And I'd seen a lot of people with uh, just grade 12 in the company and in the industry, you know, comfortable, you know, it was working for them. And I said, I'm not going to join this. Uh, I'll not be like, like, like that. I told myself, my journey is to the top. And the question is, how do I get there? So <clears throat> my first appraisal with my, my, my first boss, he highlighted my weakness. So, you know, there's self-assessment first, then you discuss. So in my self-assessment, you know, on my weaknesses, I put some moral weaknesses, you know. I can't remember what I put. Then when I was discussing with him, they told me that, no, here Webster, we're not talking about, you know, moral weaknesses and whatnot. Here we're talking about professional weaknesses. So you, you have two weaknesses. You lack experience and qualifications. That feedback was very painful but that was the reality. <clears throat> but then as Jim Collins says that, you know, face the brutal facts as they are. Face the reality or the brutal facts as they are, but never lose the hope that in the end you will prevail. I took that as a challenge and then converted my weaknesses into strength. I remember just after a few months in the organization, I saw some friends getting loans to, to get, to, to buy this and that, you know, I got a loan to start my, uh, to begin my studies at, uh, Zibik then Zambia business insurance college trust. And I directed my efforts day and night after work. I was fully dedicated to school. I did my, completed my study in record time. At, at CBIC, I enrolled with the Chartered Insurance Institute, became qualified, became a fellow. I uh, still progressed to do my, an MBA. I, after an MBA, I did my <clears throat> Master of Science in Strategic Planning. And after I did that, then uh, my boss then, he was, my first boss then was the MD of the company. And then I was fortunate to be appointed the strategy implementation champion of the organization. So I was fully involved. I was driving strategy, so to speak, based on the skills that I obtained from my master of science in strategic planning and so on and so forth. Then I uh, realized that, you know, between where I wanted to be and where I was, there was more I needed to do in terms of skills. So 
I noticed that I needed skills in in finance because my aim was get to get to the top. I was very intentional about it. So that's how I enrolled for a degree at the University of Zambia to do, I mean, to do uh, finance and accounting. And I was, I was fortunate that, I, you know, I, I graduated with honors. And, but I didn't end there. Currently, I'm pursuing my uh, DBA. I, I, I'm passionate about contributing, you know, to the development of insurance in Zambia. And I'll talk about some of the things that I've been involved in. Okay. What, what, what factors would you say contributed to your rise in the organization? Because uh, the, the, the role you joined with is not the, the, the role you exited with in the organization after 17 years in professional insurance. What, 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 what do you think you did? What factors really played a key role in your ascension to, you know, management of the organization? First of all, the road to the top is for those who are intentional. You have to be intentional about what you want to achieve. I spelled out my, my journey very clearly. And they say, depending on, on your, 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 the, the, on your journey, that's the amount of fuel you need to put in your tank. So if your journey is up to Kabwe, you put enough liters to see you to Kabwe. But if you know that you're going to Nakonde, you know, you need a full tank. How do you get the full tank? You need all the skills necessary so that when you get there, you don't crumble. I was very in intentional about this journey. That's the first factor, being intentional. So it's important to be deliberate about something. It won't just happen. Number two, it's about taking personal responsibility. No one will do things for you. Things that you're supposed to do as an individual, you cannot delegate. And you know, I always say that this is something I've captured in my book that we have to come to terms that no one owes us anything. This African mentality of the dependence syndrome where, you know, you want to blame someone for whatever happens. You fail an exam, you want to blame your grandmother in the village. You know, you, you fail a job interview. This, no, I'm, I'm, I'm an orphan. I haven't made it. You know, if you're an orphan in, in your 20s, by the time you're in your 40s, 50s, you have children, they will not understand that you're an orphan. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's, it's like certain excuses have expiry dates. They expire. You can no longer leverage on these, I mean, use excuses. So, it's very important for one to take personal responsibility. It's on you. If you're sick, so you're married, you love your wife, you cannot delegate the taking of the medication to your wife. You have to take it. 
Otherwise, you will not get healed. So taking personal responsibility <clears throat> is critical. Thirdly, I've embraced the principle, the Kaizen principle. Kaizen is a Japanese terminology which means continuous improvement. I've resolved to be a better person every day. A better person than I was yesterday, which is continuous improvement. I will not arrive until I get a certificate which I will not see, which is a death certificate. So my orientation to uh, my progression in life is that every new day gives me an opportunity to become a better person. And this, this is why I've continuously upgraded my skills to ensure that my tank is full. I'm ready to uh, undertake this journey. And then the other point is that, you know, I've discovered that sometimes the best players are in the stands. What do I mean? When I look at some people occupying certain positions, I see that sometimes they're not the best. There are better people actually in the stands. What am I talking about? Time and chance happens to them all. The race is not the swift, no battle to the strong. We know that scripture, but time and chance happens to them all. So the question is, what do you do with an opportunity that you have? And then tying to that is the law of consistency. How consistent are you? You know, if you are going to the gym, if, if you want to, to, you know, to be fit, you can't go to the gym just one day. You spend, you go to the gym at six hours and come out at 18 hours and then say, I'll take a break. You won't be fit. You're better off spending 10 minutes a day consistently and you're going to be fit. So the law of consistency is key being consistent at uh, what you do. And then you have to play to your strengths. So early in my career, I resolved to play to my strengths. And one of my strengths is writing. So I remember when I was in high school, you know, I part, took part in this competition. It was a national competition on it was um, things sponsored by Africa and so on and so forth. I used my initiative to, to participate in the competition and I won the, it was an essay competition. I won the second prize. So there is that um, uh, background of writing, uh, which I can talk about. And then at some point, I think it was 2012, I started writing, I, I think that time I started publishing an article in the Times of Zambia. And that did two things. Number one, it put me in the limelight. It, be, it enabled me to be visible. I became visible to people. Because at the time, I think I was the only one doing, right, publishing an article on insurance 
week in, week out, consistently, which led to the publishing of my first book on insurance in 2013, which I was, I was um, fortunate to be the first writer to write a complete, comprehensive book on insurance in Zambia. And it, I must say I'm very grateful to the my employers at the time. <clears throat> they sponsored the print, printing of 3,000 copies. And we had a launch at Intercontinental Hotel. And that time, the one who did the forward was Chiwamba Kanyama. That's how I connected to him. In fact, when I was reaching out to him, I was just trying because, you know, uh, the fact that the stage was not set for me, I needed to work hard to search my own stage. And I knew that if someone sees a book and say, and, and sees that it was written by Webster Twamba, who is Webster Twamba? I needed to strategically find someone, a name out there which is easy to sell. And I identified Chuamba Kanyam because he had worked for in the insurance in the industry with uh, Zisk. So when I reached out to him, he was like, oh, you're the, you're the one who writes in the Times of Amanda. My strengths at work, opening doors for me. So he did the forward. And at the time he was uh, DG of ZNBC. And uh, my the launch was uh, covered by ZNBC. And he actually uh, featured on the, on the menus, ZNBC. So that was my strengths at work. So it was playing beyond my job description, going beyond what I was supposed to do. Actually, when my, the MD at the time saw the article, he called me, Mr. Silutongwe. I hope I can mention names. Don't worry, it's okay. Yeah, so Mr. Silutongwe called me and said, Webster, I'm very proud of you. Um, going, I mean, uh, spending your spare time, you know, writing articles, informing masses and so on. This is very good, so on and so forth. Then it became easier for me to convince, to, I mean, to convince my employers to fund the article. Because Times of Zambia then told me that <clears throat> they needed to find a sponsor for the article. Then when I uh, shared with my employer, they said, look, we cannot allow anyone to touch this. We are going to sponsor it. And they sponsored my article up to the time I posed. That was at about 20, 2021 when I joined Clapton because I had to do some trade off it. Yeah. I mean, the responsibilities were too much. The other uh, factor really is um, the role of mentors. I must say I was very fortunate to get this mentor, uh, my first boss, Mr. Geoffrey Chirwa, who committed to mentoring and coaching me in my career. He played a very pivotal role in my career pro progression. He exposed me um, both locally and internationally. And the other point is, the other factor is about effectiveness. Effectiveness produces results. You are measured, um, effectiveness is what pro, pro, uh, produces performance. No amount of skill, no amount of intellect, no amount of time will produce performance. It is effectiveness results. I 
I became results oriented. Because at the end of the day, you know, so we lunch, um, reminded of this, the story of Jesus Christ at the point of controversy and where he had to tell the disciples to say, look, believe me that I'm, the f- I'm from the Father based on what I'm saying. If you struggle to believe that, believe me because of the results. You cannot argue with results. Therefore, as a career person, results should speak for you. And the f- um, that speaks to going an extra mile. Beyond what you are required to do, go an extra mile. And the final factor is character. Character is everything. So, it takes time to build your character. Those values that you have embedded in you, exhibited in your character, integrity, you know, hard work, and all those values around uh, which are embedded in you or manifest in your character, which is what people are going to see. That's how I'd summarize some of the factors and even lessons that I've picked from my short career of about... This is my 20th year. <laughs> Short career indeed. And and obviously not not every person in the organization is, you know, rooting for you to succeed. Um, how do you begin to identify people that are going to play a key role in growing your career? How do you identify, for example, who should be your career sponsor? Who should be your mentor? How would you advise people to go about doing that? That's an interesting one, um, Suilanjia. And uh, what I can say is, <clears throat> there are people who are genuinely interested in your progress. Like in my case, I've cited my first boss who was genuinely interested in my career progression. Then there are those who, th- who, who think you are after their position or who think you are competing. But there are also of those of uh, like-mindedness. Okay. I remember a friend uh, we shared a flat with, you know, we used to, we shared a lot in common. We were encouraging each other to, to, to do school. We did school together. He was a year ahead of, uh, he joined a year earlier than me. And those are the people. I think it's, it's, it's important to identify those of um, like mind who are not going to drain you. There are people, if we're honest about ourselves, about life, there are people who feel comfortable when they reach a certain position. So you can imagine you get a promotion, your, your second uh, promotion. And then those you, f- you find there become your peers. And can you imagine if they are, for them they have arrived? <laughs> but meanwhile, that's a, for you, that's a stepping stone. 
So you need to identify those, you know, who've got similar ambitions, uh, those, those you can relate with. You know, they say iron sharpens iron. So align yourself with those, you know, with um, uh, similar goals and ambitions and so on and so forth. And then sometimes you can identify people who are working against you, against you, or they're not supportive of you, or some, some people want you to fail. But I think what is key is, first of all, you pray for them. And the God factor is so real, yeah, you know. So in Nigeria, I, I'm a believer that, you know, in everything you do, there's God at work. Pray for them. And do your part. If work requires that, you know, you work with them, I mean, it's not everyone who you work with that you like. Let's face it. I've seen, uh, I've been in situations where this employee, you know, is in a situation where no supervisor wants to work with them. And I remember giving this person an opportunity. Because sometimes when what we hear about certain people is not what they really are. And sometimes when you give them an opportunity, you find actually that they are actually better people. So it's not an easy one, but I think you can see those who have like mind and then align yourself. And, you know, sometimes it could be people beyond your organization that actually become very helpful. Uh, you could probably be doing similar things. You're at school together. Maybe you're in other circles outside your employment. So that would be my take. Okay. And earlier on, you referred to visibility. Yeah. Um, how do I create visibility for myself in the organization? Well, so there's visibility within the organization and visibility outside the organization. So within the organization, you know, everyone has a JD, okay? Job description. There's this role which they're supposed to play. That's the, the bare minimum. It's the expectation. That's what you sign for. All right? So it's unlikely that if you just do what you signed for, that you become very visible. The question is, how do you go beyond what you signed for? First of all, you need to do what you're supposed to do. You need, you need to do it to the best of your ability. You need excellence must be seen in you. All right? So when you, have, when you do your work, actually you attract uh, the attention of other employees because you'll be actually used as an example. I remember when I was a branch manager for Ndola, Ndola branch in professional insurance, you know, sometimes uh, we would meet the, our annual budget in July. Meet your annual budget. So when you go for strategic review sessions, you find the MDs referring to your works. Say, oh, 
like Ndola branch, you know. Webster, can you share with everyone what you are doing right? Okay. Then I remember when I was appointed, uh, I was given an acting uh, opportunity to sit in for the manager in in Solwezi, 2008, (coughs) 2007. I went there. I did my best. And then when he was transferred, then the... The management reached out to me to transfer me to go and take over. And then within a year, we were able to grow the branch by over 120%. And then based on those uh, results, I was given a bigger role to manage the second biggest branch in the organization uh, in dollar. So I, I only had a short stint in Solwezi then went back to Ndola to go and manage the the biggest branch. So, <clears throat> I think that's what I would say on that. Okay. Uh, the other thing I want to find out is, um, what are some of the qualities that you feel as an employee, for example, in an organization, I need to have for me to sort of have not, not, not really an upper hand, but for me to really position myself to thrive in the career, um, a quality that will make a difference between me and my, you know, colleague in the organization that positions me to maybe be identified for promotion, be identified for further career progression, be identified for more opportunities, for more training, just to rise in the organization. What qualities have you seen well, that maybe have worked for you and work for others as well? Yeah. So first of all, I think this links to the, uh, the, the previous question of being visible. So of course, as, 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 as part of the visibility strategy is going an extra mile, go an extra mile. You know, when you have done what your, your basic, the basic requirement that is expected of you, then go an extra mile. You're having an, a function, go an extra mile to, uh, deliver invitation cards, go an extra mile. Uh, you know, it's different situations, different um, things you can do, but just go an extra mile. Like in my case, to increase my visibility within and outside the organization, I utilize my writing skills, which in, uh, increase my visibility. And even within the organization, people would reach out to me, uh, you know, for... Um, for help and so on and so forth because you know you know those five sources of power you know expert power is one of them so you find that you have this power you're in a lower position but you have this um, uh, expert power which people actually you can use actually to to draw people to you then some of the soft skills so we learned you've seen is I told you some uh, uh, earlier that, you know, sometimes the best players are not in, are in the stands. Best players are watching instead of being in the uh, desired positions. There are many issues or factors, but I'll point out a few. Number one, being easy to work with. Being easy to work with is often an underrated skill. How do you 
make the work of your supervisor easy or easier. There are some employees who just make things difficult. I've seen technically sound people, very good technically, well qualified, best skills, but on the soft skills, they just make things work difficult, work difficult for you. But on the other hand, there are these people who just radiate this, you know, they, they are very easy to work with. You know, they, they put themselves up there. And when you are comparing the two, you definitely want to work with someone who makes life easy for you. So the soft, soft skills being easy to work with is one of them. Then secondly, if you are aiming for a position, you need to do an analysis of where you are today and identify the gaps. What do I need to have in order for me to be in the next position or to be in that position? Do an analysis. When you have done your analysis, fill the gaps. If it requires you to, to obtain certain skills, do that. Go to school, uh, go for training or whatever is required. So that at the end of the day, remember I said results. It's effectiveness. How effective are you? When you're given a, something to do, how effective are you? So I think those are some of the things that can help someone, you know, get that promotion. Put yourself out there, be visible, be easy to work with. Let, let people want to be, you know, around you because there's something you're, you have to offer. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when, when you're carrying, when you have something to offer, people want, they want to be around you, you know? And at the end of the day, uh, so Ilanji, um, I've been, I have some few years at, at the top of an organization. You want, as a leader, you want results because your performance is based on the input of others. So you want to make sure that, you know, you get the best talent, the best people around you. You delegate things to the people who can deliver, employees who can deliver, employees who are easy to work with. So that when you put everything together, uh, the results will speak about the organization. And then if your staff are failing, then you are failing as a leader. So it's from that perspective where on the other side now, you have to say, okay, how can I contribute to the organization so that my contribution is relevant, is felt, is visible? So when you think uh, from that perspective, then you position yourself or you are a candidate of promotion. Extra mile, visible, and having the right skill, skill set. Because at the end of the day, let's say if everyone has the same uh, skill set, we have four people, one position for promotion. Who are you going to get? 
it's the soft soft skills that, that you're going to look at. So that's what I would advise people to work on, soft skills. Okay, so at, at all of us obviously start out our career, you know, there's no one under you. As you rise, you become all supervisor, you've got two people, you become manager, you've got maybe four or five people, become CEO, you've got a whole organization under you. What are the dynamics of managing people, really? What, what really goes into managing people? Whether I am a supervisor with one person, um, or three or four, or a whole organization, what are some of the dynamics um, to managing people? Well, first of all, there's a research which was done by Kuzis and Postner. Postner, yes, on exemplary leadership. First, the first um, uh, uh, characteristic is inspiring a shared vision. Okay, as a leader, you're the source of inspiring that vision. People must be able to get inspired by the way you articulate, you communicate that vision. So number one, you must inspire a shared vision. Of course, there's this temptation of, um, especially if a leader is insecure, he doesn't want to bring around a potential, you know, Replacement. Yeah. That's being, it's dangerous to have an insecure leader because then they don't create a platform for talent to thrive. One of the things that I've personally done in running an organization is to create an environment where talent thrives. So having created that environment, I inspire uh, a shared vision. Then I walk the talk. You know, I cannot be talking about meeting deadlines if I don't meet deadlines. I cannot be talking about acquiring skills if then uh, people are not, my staff are not seeing the skill, I mean, skills in me. They must see the effort. They must, I must lead by example. I must walk the talk. If I've called for a meeting, say at eight hours, then I'm showing up at 8.30. I'm not leading by example. I need to be there on time. I must walk the talk. Thirdly, delegation. You must enable others to act. Give people a platform to shine. Delegate responsibility. And, and as a matter of fact, as a CEO, you cannot do everything. You need people to help you. So identify people who can handle certain tasks. Empower them to make decisions. Empower them to do those uh, tasks. And you see them flying. Then encourage the heart. Encouraging the heart is about recognizing uh, performance, rewarding performance. Celebrate small successes. Okay, so when there's a small success, you are the target, you achieve the target, celebrate it. Sometimes it doesn't have to be in monetary form. Sometimes it's praise. You praise someone who has done a good job. So <clears throat> I find uh, these characteristics of exemplary uh, leadership very key in, um, in, in managing a team. So... 
create an environment for the team, for talent to thrive. Okay. And, and the, the personal SWOT analysis, you know, where you, as an individual, I know you touched earlier or around, this is where I am. This is where I'm going. Where are the gaps? How do I conduct a personal SWOT analysis of my strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats and be honest with myself? Because mostly you want to massage your ego and everything <laughs> is okay. Weaknesses, you're even, you know, feeling lazy to talk, but you want to focus on the strengths and the, how do I, um, conduct a personal SWOT analysis and why do you think that is important for one's career? You know, I, I, I like the way you've put it because, you know, if you're not honest with yourself, what are you doing? It, it's, I think one of the first factors I mentioned earlier is about taking personal responsibility. Now, if you're not, if you cannot be honest with yourself really, who is going to be honest with you? You are in that position, you're in that situation, you're the person who understands better. So it's very critical, especially if you're um, aspiring to progress. Because, you know, if you turn a blind eye to your weaknesses, you know, this is why people overrate themselves. They think they are the best for this position because they are focused on their strengths. Okay. But you know, weaknesses can also be very visible. And if you don't address the weaknesses, you're just focusing on the strengths. When that opportunity comes, then it's going to pass because people will feel that your weakness, your weaknesses will stand in the way. So it's, it's very important. Uh, so Ilanji, you sit down. First of all, as you sit down, you mustn't appreciate that you're on a mission, you're on a journey. And for you to get to your destination, to, or you to achieve your goal, you need to be very clear about your strengths. Your den- Mostly strengths are easy. You know, everyone wants to, even sharing, you know, <laughs> you ask me to, 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 to share here. Mostly I'll share about my strengths, not my weaknesses. But I earlier shared my two weaknesses I had in my early, early in my career, which my, with the help of my boss, I, we identified. And, uh, you know, when you have a supervisor like that, who can even point your blind spot, you know, certain times you may not know certain things. And you know, there, there are some people I've seen where they're not just getting it. Eh? If, if an opportunity comes, you think they'll get it. It just passes. You know, an opportunity, they go, they go there they, to another organization. When they're just about to get, it just passes. There are certain blind spots. And, you know, when you have an opportunity or when you have a leader, you know, where as you're sharing your, um, as you're doing uh, the appraisal or the assessment, they can give you feedback because blind spots come from, Mostly they come from people who are speaking to you, who know you. But beyond that, I think you have to be honest with yourself. What are my weaknesses? And the best way to do it is if you, if you take, um, if, you're, if you're aspiring for a certain job, okay, get a job description, okay? Then look at uh, the requirements, okay? Then you assess yourself, okay, 
here I'm ticking the boxes, but this one I don't have. Okay, so if you don't have it, then it maybe it's because of your weakness. For instance, you're lacking a certain skill. That's a weakness. Then you begin to action. Your view is to convert your weakness into strength or to minimize their, their impact on your progress. So a self-assessment, an honest self-assessment is very critical and only you can do it. All right. Um, for, for, for a manager, someone who's overseeing the affairs of others, what would you say are some critical skills like you, you must have, whether you like it or not, you must have these skills as a manager? Well, f- for a manager, the critical skill that you need to have firstly is leadership. You know, being a manager and a leader can be different. Okay. So a, a manager, you are looking at how to make the most of the resources that you have okay, to get the most. It is important. But leadership is about influence. So how do you exert influence as a leader to your team? So that is very critical. And for a manager, you need to spend a couple of hours or time to understand how you can exert influence on your team. And the best influence that you can exert is through your, through your life how you lead yourself. Okay. So having said that on leadership, then it's very important to create a, um, an environment which is, you know, focused on performance. So as a, as a, as, as a manager, you know, you need to ensure that you help everyone understand your philosophy. They need to understand that at the end of the day, you will not be judged on the hours that you put in, but on the results, effectiveness. So any manager needs effectiveness. They need to understand the skill of managing with effectiveness. Of course, there's efficiency and effectiveness. You, if, if efficiency using um, little resources, for instance, you know, you can kill a mosquito with by spraying target. You can also kill a mosquito with an, an atomic bomb. But if you're using an atomic bomb to kill a mosquito, you're not efficient. Just spray using target, it's, it's gone. But then effectiveness as well, getting results. So... As a leader, you need to um, you need that. Then you should also uh, recognize that sometimes the best skills are in your team, even better than you as a leader. So you need you know to create an environment where talent thrives. So. You shouldn't exhibit insecurity as a leader. You should be, you know, you are appointed in that position. You have a contract and it's your position. Don't be scared. Don't 
be insecure about uh, those that are shining under you. In fact, when they shine, you are the one who is taking the credit. So it, it's it's very important that you know, in it as a leader, uh, your 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 role is to direct people, you know, to their common goals, and everyone help everyone align. Okay. And what are your thoughts on on friendship in the organization? <laughs> Building friendships in the organization. Well, um, do it carefully. First of all. The environment that sh- should be there is to ensure that people freely communicate. Freely communicate. Is we spend formally we spend about eight hours at work, so that's a long time that we're spending away from home. So of course, um, with different people in in the work setup, you know. There are some of those that you're going to click, especially at lower levels. There are those that you click. Somehow you just click. Yeah. And you build your friendships even beyond work and so on and so forth. But then you should be careful that your friendship has got certain limits. Make sure that your friendship doesn't stand in the way of work. Okay. For instance, your friends and you share a table during working hours. It's not time for you to start chatting. You're, you're even laughing, you know, as if you are, you know, at a party or something. That's not good. So it should have certain limits. And you should know that when you're at work, work should come first. Then, you know, I've seen um, friendships that go beyond work such that, you know, you remain friends even after you have let, left certain organizations. And the level of friendship is not the same across. So there are those that you identify, maybe those you clicked uh, with, those that you uh, carry on. But then as you progress, as you go to the top, you have to be careful that, you know, you are seen to treat people Equally, fairness, okay? So there's this balance now between befriending people and to be seen to, to be fair. So as a manager, as a leader, you need to strike a balance. Yes, you can, uh, have, you can have friends, but with limits, especially in, in the work environment. It shouldn't be so obvious to others that, you know, you like this person more than this. At, at, at work, it should be about the goals of the organization, about performance, about getting things done. All right. Um, after 17 years, you left professional insurance to go to Clapton Re. Um, what, what factors did you have to consider and... What factors would you advise others to consider when making the switch from one organization to the other organization? Well, first of all, I had ambitions. I think in my, uh, earlier on I talked about being intentional. The journey to the top is about being intentional. 
And for me at uh, professional insurance, of course, I did my best to support the people above me. And I think they can attest to that. I went out of my way to support them. But I felt I reached the comfort zone. I needed something more challenging. And it was a question of just, um, it, it was a timing issue, right opportunity and timing. So I had a lot of offers, uh, you know, being someone visible in the industry, I used to, to receive a lot of job offers. But then I think the, the, the timing maybe wasn't right. There are some opportunities, of course, I wanted to take, but maybe I didn't make it. But then with uh, Clapton, I was initially engaged as a consultant. So I get to understand the vision, the business, I get to understand the people behind and so on and so forth. And then when they offered me the job, it was easy to make a decision. It was a step. It was a step up. Of course, I needed to step up. So what I would advise people is, first of all, it's not always greener the other side. You may just realize that actually where you were was actually green enough for you um, to be happy. So do your homework, do your research, uh, especially for certain positions. Do your homework beyond what you're taught formally. Consult those in your network so that you fully understand where you're going. And, you know, sometimes if things don't work out, don't hesitate to accept that, you know, you made a wrong decision and look at other options. So my thought process there was about, you know, uh, utilizing this opportunity that uh, I've been look, I was looking for and I thought I was ready and the timing was ready. I mean, the timing was uh, ripe. Okay. Looking back at the 20 years in your career, what would you say was the best advice you received? Wow. My best advice was not to ignore weaknesses. Webster, don't ignore your weaknesses, work on your weaknesses. I think that was the best career advice. And what five pieces of advice would you give to other young people who are in their careers, trying to build their careers? Number one, be intentional. Number two, it's in form of a statement. Unless you see the ultimate, you'll be enslaved with the immediate. Don't fall for immediate gratification. Focus your eyes on the ultimate. Number three, between the promise and the present is a period called a process. Trust the process. Whatever you're going through within the present and the promise is preparing you for the promise or for that position you're aspiring. So trust the process. Make sure that you are prepared. Fill the tank. Make sure that the tank is full so that you don't run out of fuel midway. 
Was ist mal dein Fall? Was? Number, nein, ja, Number 5. <lacht> okay, Number 5. <five. lacht> <lacht> number 5. You should have your values very clear. So we launched a lot of uh, issues. In my case, I travel a lot. So sometimes, you know, I get exposed to a lot of stuff such that if my values are not strong, I fall. So your values play a very critical role in your career. The Webster in Zambia, in Lusaka, should be the same Webster when I'm in Singapore, when I'm in Germany, when I'm in Nepal, when I'm in India, everywhere I go, wherever I go, I should be the same Webster. Values, very critical, which will speak to your character. Above all, strive to have a strong, good character. Thank you. I appreciate. You thought one hour was <laughs> was very long. It's gone. I told you one yeah, hour would, you go. would go by. Yeah. Would go by, would go by. I didn't even think of drinking uh, this word. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you very much for coming to the podcast. 